on the inside Let's go, let's take it where your friends might Not know, yes, take them to the real side Everybody, welcome to the Dropping Wisdom Basanto's podcast. And today, my guest is Noah Curtis. Please introduce yourself, buddy. Everybody, uh, my name is Noah Curtis, and I'm a student pilot. All right, today Noah Curtis is going to drop wisdom about being a pilot from a student perspective. Okay. Now, first off, what made you want to become a pilot? So, a lot of people in my family have been in uh, aviation. My uh, Grandfather worked out of Oceana, and he was a F-16 mechanic. Um, my other uncle worked his way up from a baggage uh, boy at Piedmont Airlines before they were bought out and ended up becoming the head of safety on the East Coast and was actually head of safety for Piedmont Airlines during 9-11. And another one of my uncles always loved aviation. Uh, he had his pilot's license, so a lot of a- aviation in the family. Okay. Now, what makes a person ineligible to become a pilot? Um, it, it really comes down to like people. It, it's a tough job, and you have to work hard. So a lot of people are like, oh, you don't do a whole lot. So you, that's not true. you got to work really hard. Um, also, you have to have a good background. Um, you have to be able to do, uh, do well at multitasking. As well as like uh, be a good person. A lot, a lot of these companies um, they like to know that they're hiring uh, well-rounded people. As well as like they're not going to have um, issues outside of the aviation world, like uh, drugs and alcohol and things like that. Okay. Now, is there a, a height limit uh, for? I don't know any military stuff, but for the commercial airline world, there is not a height limit, weight limit, or anything like that. Can you be colorblind? Uh, so we have to take a test um, every couple years, depending how old you are. You sometimes have to take it twice a year. It's called a, a medical certificate, and they do test colorblindness. I believe they allow a very slim amount, um, and... So you have to be able to see color fully or a vast majority of color. And then also, um, if you don't have great vision, you don't have to be 20-20. That's a, a, a myth um, that if you don't have 20-20, you can't be a pilot. That's not true at all. But it does have to be correctable 20-20. Okay. Why, do you, why isn't someone colorblind? Are there a lot of colors involved in your job that you can't? Be colorblind for? Yes. So uh, in aviation, we have a lot of symbols and a lot of colors. So if you ever at an airport and say you're sitting in the window and the airport and the plane is getting ready to take off, you're going to see all these numbers and all these colored of lights, uh, boxes on the runway, like little signs and all those signs, the colors mean something. Um, The color of the lights mean something. You also need to be able to see things in the air. And obviously things on the ground, like if you're coming into land, you need to be able to see the runway lights if it's uh, dark at night. And they do use red and green, and I know that's a very, like... Port and starboard. Yeah, exactly. So... Okay. That's a... Red and green is a very big color uh, in aviation. Yellow is another big one, but uh, red and green, you'll see it almost at every airport. So, you know, I know red and green colorblindness is uh, common, so that is something that has to be very mild. Okay, now, you want to become a pilot. Yes, We're sir. in Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area. Mm-hmm. 
where do I go to, where do I go to become one around here? Where's the school? Yeah. So if you like, you woke up tomorrow, you're like, I want to go, I want to go to pilot school. There's multiple. There's, uh, I fly out of Chesapeake Regional and I currently fly with Horizon Flight Center. There is another flight school out there called Epics. They do flight uh, training as well out of Chesapeake Regional. Um, another big one is Newport News. They have a great uh, flight program out there as well. And Hampton Roads, I know people fly out of. And then Norfolk International, There's they're in talks to get a uh, training facility out there, which is an ATP facility, which is you can become a pilot and get to the go through the ranks of a student pilot very quickly now is this for commercial or private like you can like what kind of what are you trying to do so i'm trying to be a commercial pilot like you want to fly for delta yes okay uh, any of the big companies i'd love to fly for um as well as cargo i would be open to like fedex ups um amazon something like that but if you just want to go get your pilot's license like you just want to fly General Aviation, which is uh, a smaller plane like a Cessna or a Diamond or a Piper, something like that. You could go to um, any of the flight schools I just listed uh, and you could just get your private pilot's license and that allows you to fly the plane um, in good conditions when the conditions are nice outside and you can just fly okay. around. Now let's talk about the process. Okay. Nate, talk about the finances. How much is yeah. all that shit? How much are the fees and all that? So... It it used to be a lot cheaper. Like the problem is, is a lot of people don't know the cost. There actually, I think it's uh, eighty something percent of people that start out with their private, like start training for their uh, just private pilot's license, which is the most basic, don't finish because it gets so expensive. Um, it used to be you could get around with about seven thousand five hundred dollars. That's not the case anymore. Minimum and. And from what I've seen, I don't know anybody that's done it under eleven thousand dollars. Just for overall, just just for your private pilots, not getting to an airline. That's just your base layer pilot. And what are you paying for? A, a, a pilot that's teaching you? You pay the pilot that's teaching you. Most of the time, you gotta go to a flight school. So the flight school pays the pilot, but you have to pay a fee. So you have an hourly charge for the um, flight instructor. You're paying for the rental fee. Uh, for the plane and when it comes to the rental fee there's something called wet and dry so dry means you're just playing for the paint the plane and then you'll pay for the fuel later wet means that the fuel cost is incorporated into the plane so i recommend going that way just because it's a little bit easier i know the flight school i fly out of um it costs about just for the plane not counting the instructor it's the lowest plane is 175 dollars dollars an hour and it goes to $225 an hour. Then you add the instructor, that's $60 an hour. So you're looking anywhere between 130 to $180 per hour. Okay. So did you saying it costs 11,000 to fly a small plane? Yes, that's just to get your license. Okay. What does it take after you get that? What does it take to become a commercial pilot? How much is that then? The average cost right now in today's world well sorry there's two ways you can do it there's part 61 and part 141 part 61 is where you just go and you get your uh pilot's license through a flight school and you just go through the ranks you get uh private pilot instrument commercial 
multi-engine and then uh, CFI, CFII if you wanted to, and then you can work your way up to the airline. That's a little bit cheaper. If you use part 141, that means you're going through a school, like a university as well. So that's what I'm doing. And that the cost is a lot more. But the reason they do that is because you get to the airlines faster. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you go through part 141, there's a thing called restricted ATP. And uh, you, if you complete the courses as you need to, you, only, you can go to the airlines at 1,000 hours. Whereas if you don't do restricted ATP... What does um, ATP stand for? Uh, airline transport pilot. Okay. So, um, when you do that, if you're military, you can go at 2,500 or sorry, uh, 1,250 hours. So 1,250. And then if you're not, and you didn't go through a part 141 school in a university, it's going to take you to 1,500 hours. So how long does it usually take? To rack all those hours up. It totally depends on the person. If you're just a student like I am, just going to school for aviation, then um, if you do the part 141, you can probably get uh, to the airlines. Right now in today's condition, I would say in about four to seven years is what you're looking at. Jesus. Like I started this and I was 18 Right now, I'm 21, so I've been in it for three years, and I'm about a year, a little bit under a year from getting my uh, flight instructor's license, and then after you get your flight instructor's, it takes about one to two and a half years to get to the airline once being a flight. But once you get a flight and become a flight instructor, you get paid. About so, so flight instructor means you're a pilot? So flight instructor means you're instructing. Yes, you, you've worked your way up. Uh, you have all your credentials. And at this point, you're flying other student pilots and you're teaching them how to fly. So does that mean you can own your own boat? Does that mean you can fly someone else's plane? Like, so, hey, I have a plane. I want you to fly, fly it from here to New Jersey. That comes down under your commercial license, which you have if you get your uh, CFI. So, uh, What does CFI mean? Uh, certified flight instructor. Okay. And so um, you get that after you get your commercial license. Commercial license means you are now able to fly for hire, which means you are able to fly for, you can make money flying. Okay. Whereas you can't do if you only have your um, private pilot license. You can't fly for Is money. there more money in that field than the commercial? Pilot? So, um, well, the thing is, so once you get your commercial license, you can't just go fly for any company because they're going to want to see you have hours because you'll right now I'll get done with my commercial license and I'll have a little bit under 300 hours of flight time. No one's going to hire you with that amount of hours. That's not anything. So is it because you want, they need you to experience all kind of sh- environmental shit. Like you they want you to go through experience a lot of more hours under um, behind the, the co- in the cockpit yes. basically so they want you to experience things and then the reason airlines can't is because after there was an accident about 10 years ago and the pilots they determined the faa after every accident the faa looks over and they go through uh they do their, their due diligence to see what went wrong and they determined that the two pilots were too young they just didn't have enough experience and if they had more experience this problem wouldn't have happened so at that time, everybody, you could go to an airline at 1,000 hours. Then they bumped it up to 1,500 hours. 
However, like I said earlier, if you go through a college, you have to take 60 credits worth of aviation classes. So if you take, which is about 20 classes, because each credit is usually around three, so you gotta take 20 aviation classes. The FAA looks at that and says, okay, you've learned enough in, in the classroom as well as fly, we'll let you go at 1,000 hours now. So a uh, if you wanna fly private, they're still going to look for a thousand hours or um, a lot of cross country hours because you're going to be flying a lot. And cross country just means you're doing uh, longer distances yeah. while flying. Um, and so they're going to look for that. So no one's going to hire you at like 300 hours. Um, what all does it take in order for you to start the plane? Because I know, you know, you see the movies, they go in yeah. there doing all this shit. What's the average startup? So. I don't know what it's like on like a Boeing seven or thirty seven. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that. But I know for me, I fly a Cessna one seventy two with the G one thousand. How many people can you fit in that? I can fit four people. Okay. So it's it's all based off weight though. I usually don't fly with four people because the weight can get. Do up you there. offer people? Hey, buddy, you want to come and fly with me today? Yeah. Will your flight instructor do that? Yeah. Our um, some flight instructors don't like having other people, especially when you first start your training. You don't, but maybe like. I know, for example, when I started my training, my first cross-country, I had to do with my instructor. But he was like, you want to take your mom just so she could see what you've been doing in school and, like, where you're at? And I was like, sure. So I took my mom. My instructor was in the plane with me. She was with me. She had a great time. Um, How? What'd she do? Just sit there? She just sat there. But she thought it was cool. You know, like... I'm not, I hate airplanes. So I'm like, how the fuck did you have a good time unless you were drinking? <laughs> so... <laughs> no offense, but... I mean, that's her son. She's happy for yeah. her son. I get it, but... She she thought it was cool because again her father worked on airplanes and all that so they've she's been around aviation as well and to see her son flying the plane she thought was really cool. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, my dad won't fly with me right now. He's scared as crap. He doesn't like little planes. He likes flying, just not little planes. It scares him, so he won't fly with me. So, okay, but let's go back to the original okay. question because I yeah. I scatter brain a lot. How long does it take for you to get that plane ready to go? From the moment I walk out from signing the sheet that says I'm going to rent this plane for the next certain amount of time to starting the plane probably takes 15 to 25 minutes. Okay, so, so I, not like the movies when it takes you 30 seconds. No. Uh, you walk out there, you um, go around, you uh, make sure you have fuel, and then you test the fuel, make sure there's nothing in it, um, no contaminants, and then after you test the fuel, then you're going to uh, walk around the plane, make sure that uh, everything looks um, correct, kind of move things up and down, make sure um, all the bolts and everything looks right. Check the brakes, um, and then once you do that, then you're going to get in the plane, then you're going to start going through your checklist. So that's like, all right, you're going to make sure that you, uh, certain bu buttons are pressed, make sure you have your fuel open, um, set on both or left or right for the fuel tanks, um, and then you're just going to keep running through checklists, and then... Uh, once you do that, once you go through all your checklists and you deem that the aircraft looks safe to fly, because it, it's up to you. Like, at that point, you're the pilot in command is what, you, what they call it, PIC. It is up to you to decide this plane's good to fly. Okay. So, like... Are there any parachutes on board? Not in mine. Now, there are planes that have... I mean, there's some really expensive planes that have a parachute built in. So if something were to happen, they could press a button and a parachute would fly out the top and it would slowly lower the plane. Not in these. I'm not, I'm not talking about the parachute of the plane, but like a personal passenger parachutes. No. Okay. No. Like, you're not going to be able to, like, you're not saying like, if, you, if you're like, if I'm like a passenger and I think you're going to crash 
and you say, okay, we're going to crash. I can put this parachute on, open the door, and just fly out. No, that is not going to happen. Why not? One, we don't have parachutes. But what us say I have one. I mean, there's would a... Would you not recommend me opening the door? I would not recommend you... Op- well, opening the door is fine. Like, you don't want to open it wide open, but I don't recommend, recommend jumping out. Uh, people think... What are you going to do? It's crashing. You going to really take the hit? You'd be so... Like, we have to go in our training. <laughs> we have to do engine failures and practice landing in a field by oh. our... Like, all, like, it sounds scary. Yes, you, it is. You, <laughs> you have a better chance of staying in the plane and finding a spot to land than uh, jumping out. If you jump out... With a parachute? How, how are you going to... You know how to operate a parachute? What, you jump you out, pull the fucking rope. Right? Uh, yes, but... <laughs> it's problem. <laughs> I, you might be able to do that. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be able to. Then you got to slip out the door. Then you got to make... I mean, the plane's moving. And you have the wheels right next to where the door is. So if you jump out, you're hitting the wheel. Oh, okay. I mean, and you're not that high up. It's not like you're skydiving. Oh, yeah, you're not miles high, right? Yeah. How like, low are you? What's the max high height and everything for your Cessna? For my Cessna, it could go 12,000. Really, All right, so that's what? Two and a half miles, pretty much. Yeah, 2,000 feet. So, like, parachuting or if you're skydiving, yeah, that's fine. They do that. I don't do that. I, I don't fly, do that either. I fly around um, 6,000 to 8,000 feet. That's usually around what I fly if I'm doing a cross-country, but... If you're just out, like, putting around, like, if I take a family member out, we go flying, they want to see stuff. They're not going to be able to see a whole lot at 8,000 feet. Like, you can see the ground, but it, you're not going to see details. So I usually yeah. fly at, like, 3,000 feet. So then they can really see the ground. So if you're at 3,000 feet and you lose your engine, if you jump you out. You can kind of glide Oh yeah, land, you, right? Yeah, you okay. can glide. You can find yeah, I'll a place keep thinking commercially that like we're high in the sky. No, if we're 3,000 feet, you could pick a spot to land. And no, the Cessna, is that... That's a one propeller? Yeah, it's a single prop. You ever almost hit a bird? No, but... I don't want to jinx you. No, you have to look out for them, though. That's what I'm saying. 100%. Because I always make a joke. I was like, you would think all those birds would see the giant bird in the sky and fly away, but they do not. They they do whatever they want, and, like, you do have to watch out for them, especially around airports because they'll, they'll stay low. Around the airport, so you do have to look for them. Yeah, that's because that was, that was my main concern. Because I heard lots of times when 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 airplanes have problems, it's because like a bird goes through the engine. Yeah. Now, in in our plane, like you can see them pretty well, and you usually can avoid them pretty easily. The hardest thing for like a big plane, like a commercial, it's hard to move. Yeah. Like really, so what do you actually do? You just hope the bird doesn't go in the engine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's. When you have that big of a plane, it's not you can maneuver it easily, but it won't move as fast as you think. Whereas, like yeah. in our plane, it's a little bit more maneuverable just because it's smaller. So, yeah. like we can see a plane or a, a bird and completely shift the other way. But like a commercial plane like that, they're not really able to do that. All right, because I'm not a. I don't know if you know this. I don't. I, I'm not a good flyer in an airplane. <laughs> Ruby, if you ever asked ask Ruby about it, she knows I, I don't like to fly. I'm not a. But when I was in the Coast Guard, I could, you could fly me in a helicopter. I have no problem. But put me in an airplane is when I have a problem. So you just don't like being up that high. Yeah, I, I very feel very uncomfortable. I don't, it's just like in a helicopter, in a helo Coast Guard. Yeah, helo, I just say it for you, but. Everyone has comms. Everyone's talking to each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, like, you're not high up. You can still you can see and stuff. Like mm-hmm. you, can, you can still see the land. And I just get, like, man, we're, like, 
30,000 feet up, man. And it's just like all these, I don't, I don't like turbulence. I don't like any of that stuff. And I'm like, so I have to go fly first class and get drunk. Yeah. So if I die, at least I'm, I'm, I'm dying in a first class, you know. You do have to think, like, if you're 30,000 feet up, you have so much time before you're hitting the ground that... That you have time to think of your death? No, that you have time to figure out. <laughs> that you have time to figure out where you're... Now... What am I going to do? I got time to figure out shit. I'm a passenger. Well, nine times... I guarantee if there was an emergency and the engines were going out, um, you would have no idea. As a, They as don't a do like a boom, 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 the little rings. They, I heard like if you hear three rings in a row, that means something's... Something bad or anything? No. There's no, like, code of rings? The only thing would be if, like, they if they knew, one, it was going to be a crash landing. Or if they knew, uh, or if you needed oxygen. That was the only one, the only time they would do something. But now in today's day and age, they have, they're in, um, they're putting things in a lot of the newer planes where, like, say they had an engine emergency. They can press a button and the plane will find the best place to land. It will fly that way. It will practically land itself, and you don't have to do anything as a pilot. All right. So basically, from what I'm reading these articles recently, the main thing you have to worry about is getting landing and taking off because of uh, the air traffic controllers are kind of messing up nowadays. Or is it the system that's messing up because there's a lot of uh, near crashes, landing, it, and, and stuff like that? I'm not going to blame it on the air traffic controllers because it's both pilots and the air traffic controllers. Okay. Um, you know... Personally, I think it's because the the aviation field is stressed right now. We are we don't have enough pilots. There's not enough control controllers go I mean, their shifts are insane. They only yeah. work about thirty minutes to an hour at a time and then they need a break because they're controlling so much at one time. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they work um I talked to one and he said his sh- average shift is like he'll work for eight, nine hours, but he'll um, he'll be talking on the radios and doing aircraft air traffic control for about 40 minutes and then they'll bring someone else in to give them a break because there's so much going on it's such a high stress environment so it comes down to like pilot not paying attention or the air traffic controller uh maybe miss uh saying something it it is a, co- a common problem right now. There are a lot of mi- uh, near misses. There have been the past couple months, and I would just say near this- misses or near hits. Near hits, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> it it does happen. Um, sometimes the pilots just hear something wrong, uh, or they think they're talking to someone else. I mean, there's so much stuff that goes into it, but it, it is a problem and they are trying to fix it as quick as possible. Why is there a shortage of pilots? So COVID really didn't help. So, so COVID hit and obviously air travel dropped. Well, a lot of pilots, we were already going into a pilot shortage at the time. It wasn't being as well known. Well, then you had a situation where you had all these pilots that couldn't work. So then they bring them back, and then obviously COVID pops back up, and everybody wants to travel again. So air travel is like through the roof right now because every, no one's been traveling the past couple of years. Well, what happens is now you have too many people trying to travel, and we don't have enough pilots. So then also during COVID, a lot of older pilots had to uh, – had to uh, leave because you can only work a certain amount. You can um, only work to your 65. 
so those pilots had to leave and then so uh we're just behind on training and that's another thing they weren't training pi pilots at these times so uh when now it's booming again they got to get all these new tri pilots trained and captains moved up for to move first officers up and then to open training for all these guys coming in to just be first officers okay now when you go into the plane do you are do you have like a a kit or a bag like you're like this is your trap this is your pilot bag or anything what do you take on your cockpit so when i fly i have like a i have a um, a pilot bag and that has like my ipad my headset uh my charts um paper pencil this is all your stuff this not, is what i does use. not belong in the plane this is your own personal yeah stuff. no okay. this is this is my own personal stuff um water stuff like just little candy bars or something like that just because like, you could be flying for a while so you make sure you take a you go to the bathroom before you go up yeah what happens if uh you got to do a number one or number two while you're up do you have a little uh are you in a you wearing a diaper or anything no um i've never Poop had bag that or whatever you know what i mean now i have heard stories of like either you just turn around and go back to the airport you just went out of or you find one close and you just land really quick go to the bathroom and then leave again okay <laughs> so what to you is the hardest thing about becoming a pilot is it the financial part of the school what do you or is there anything hard in the plane that you find hard i won the financial part because uh it costs a lot like it just does it aviation is an expensive hobby or expensive job and um getting there can cost a lot so that's definitely one uh the other one is it's a lot of studying like uh the flying part isn't the hardest part to me. It's all the other stuff you have to know. So for every, I didn't believe this, but when I first started pilot training, they're like, for every hour you fly, you're going to spend one to two hours studying. Now, yeah, so like, you have to, because I don't know what I did in the Coast Guard, you have to know a lot to do a little. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I got you. So you have to. Flying is the easiest part. Yeah. That's, Getting to know everything else, that's, like, that's the, that's, yeah. okay. Um. Now, this, it's not military since it's civilian. Do you still have a call sign? Do you make up your own name? No, uh, we we don't. Okay. Do they? Do, do some have one? I, I've i never heard of a, of a like, United or American pilot be like, this is my call. I don't know. Okay. People I don't know. Do. I don't know. Okay. Now, I guess if someone was coming from the military, maybe for a respect thing, they might tell someone. And then uh, a military pilot that's now in the commercial world, some people might refer to them as that. Um, but no, like not really. Okay. Well, what else would you like to let the people know about being a pilot that you don't think people know or just like a stereotype or something like that? Anything else you need to let them know mm. that you can think of? Biggest thing is like, if you're thinking about doing it, I 100% recommend it's a lot of work and it's a lot of, uh, studying and the financials could be hard but it's totally different up in the air and like it's a whole different experience and if it's something you want to do i highly recommend it because a lot of people say it's the greatest job in the world and um you know you get to go a lot of different places you literally travel for your job what's so, their salary anyway if you don't mind me asking so there's regionals there's majors uh the regionals right now it used to be regional airlines paid horrible like you because you got to go to a regional before you could go to a marriage what's major. regional mean like that, what's what airlines are regional here so you don't really know 
as the common people. So like, if you say you go to fly, say uh, you're flying somewhere and you're going from Norfolk to Atlanta and you're flying on a Delta plane, that's a regional jet because it might say Delta on it, but it's a regional jet just branded as Delta. What is that? A, what's regional? Is that like a um, a company? It companies like uh, some big ones are SkyWest, Piedmont Airlines, PSA Airlines, and and they have contracts with the bigger companies, and then they just fly those people to the big hubs. And from the big hubs, that's when those major airlines take people uh, from there. Okay. So it used to be a regional airline. You were making, and I'm talking about like. 15 years ago, you were making 20 to $30 an hour as a regional pilot. It was almost non like You were making like $45,000 a year. It was like some people were making more as a um, flight instructor than they were when they got to the real. It used to be horrible. Like they used to get paid nothing. Now. Now, is that because I'm not saying it's because, but yeah. like, okay, they can, the company can look at, well, you're traveling for free. Your hotel is free, right? Yes. So it's like your 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 room and board is basically free wherever you go. So they're because they're paying for that. Possibly could that be like kind of like why it's not as high as it should be? I would say because things are comped. It, it could be that I'm not entirely sure. I I think the biggest thing was that at the time, the contracts with the airlines that they were flying for weren't that big. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think they were. The regional airlines were not used to be not be as profitable. Like they used to not make as much profit, so they can't pay as much. Okay, so how long do you think it's going to take for you to be a commercial pilot? So a commercial pilot. So by the time I get to a regional, I'm 21 now. My goal is to be at a regional by 24. Okay, so when that when you become one, yeah, will you be able to hook Ruby and I up with a? Oh yeah, first class tickets. 100%. Okay. I'll, I'll try my best. All right. All right. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Are we done? Because we, we um, I'm going to go hit you with the Santos signature questions now. Do oh, you have anything else to say about your about the, um, being a pilot? Do you, uh, you want anything else people to know? Oh, the, the only thing was like the the, uh, the salary can go now. Regional Airlines started like 80 first okay. year. And um, you can make a good living. Like some of them get paid up to 200. And once you get to a commercial airline bigger one you're going to be making some good money some people easily pull in above five hundred thousand dollars that's the same as if you do for fedex as well yeah fedex and uh cargo make big bucks fedex you could easily be pulling in uh if you've been there you had to be there a while so i'm talking like 20 to 25 years you could easily be making above five hundred thousand dollars okay all right well i will never want to ask i will never ask to be a a passenger on your Cessna. <laughs> no, no problem. I, I know a know. lot of people don't like it. I don't like to fly. Ruby might say, "Yeah, yeah, take me to whatever," <laughs> but I'm not the one. She, she likes to jump out of airplane. Didn't place. you go skydiving? I took her to go skydiving. You didn't go in the plane, though. No, I was with Sar at the ground on the ground. <laughs> I did not. Because you had, what was funny about that? You had these people. They could have been skydivers too, or you know, that worked there or not. Yeah. But then, oh, I used to, I met a lot of people that they, they said, no, they weren't skydiving, but then I was able to talk them into doing it the same day. And I looked at them. I was like, I'm not one of those people. Bro. You're like, I'm not doing that. I ain't flying nowhere. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not, that's, that's not my thing. I was like, you know, no. So I mean, Sar took it for her birthday. She jumped on an iFly airplane. She loves, she loved it. Mm-hmm. She had a great time. And it was crazy because 
when she was she came when she landed and we were on our way back home it was like really like really good therapy for her she was tired and so chill and relaxed from it yeah i mean it, it's an adrenaline thing for sure yeah i would have probably passed out i mean personally <laughs> man i was like i just if i was up in the plane number one i wouldn't like being in the plane because i don't like to take off so now i'm up in the plane oh that's the best part no no hell no <laughs> and then like i couldn't imagine myself like taking even like stepping off the plane like, off the plane i would have to be pushed they would have to because like obviously you're in a tandem yeah so i'm gonna have some other dude behind me you know dick to butt you know what i'm saying and <laughs> yeah. i'm like I'm, that's already uncomfortable for me as is and this dude has to be bigger than me yeah you know what i'm saying and plus from what i understand i i i, I was uh i weigh too much which is a great reason why i couldn't because oh. I think that I think it's like two two. I've never done it. So yeah, I, they I don't say know. there's a weight limit, and I'm like, I two, I'm that. like two fifty, and they're like, oh, you, you know, I'm like, oh, good, but God bless. I'm like, so. <laughs> you're like, what? you're like, man, I'm, in, I'm I can make that. No, I'm a little heavier. Today. No, 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 I couldn't do it. So, all right, you ready for the Santo signature questions? Yeah. Okay. Do you think you ever witnessed paranormal activity? Like, you ever think you ever seen a ghost or anything? Um. That's tough because I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's been times where I'm like, that was really weird. Um, like in your house or like you've seen like a, something in the corner of your eye or something, you mean? Not – I get like uh, – for example, like my cousin passed away like about two years ago. And we have a DVD player in our um, – we have an old DVD player in our living room. And it just, like, sits there. It's on all the time. We never use it. I don't even know why I have it. Why but, is it even on? I don't know. I oh, do. okay, my, okay. my mom just keeps it plugged in. Oh. And so, but uh, when when you when you take it, like, when you unplug in, when you plug it back in, it first starts up, it'll say, hello. Yeah. Well, after my cousin passed away, for some weird reason, I, I've heard that, like, uh, people can connect through you through electronics and things like that. Well, we want to unplug it and plug it black back in, and like we would be sitting on the couch, and it would randomly just pop up, "Hello." So while my mom, it was, while it was never unplugged, it, it was, was never unplugged. Like it was, it's been plugged in for weeks and multiple times through the day. Like whenever you're looking at it, it would pop up, "Hello." So my mom always thought that was my cousin reaching out to us, and just that was her way of saying hi. <laughs> okay, that was that was probably the, the closest thing. All right, do you think um, you've ever seen an alien? Like flying, you ever think you think you've seen a UFO? I don't. I have not. However, I know a lot of pilots do, and I I'm a firm believer in aliens. So I 100 percent think they've been here. I think we know of them. Um, I definitely think pilots have seen them. Uh, I I think they're real 100. percent Yeah, I've uh, I've seen them. I've seen. I know for a fact I've seen one. And talking about the paranormal, I've mm-hmm. been. I've been to a lot of. Uh, I do. I investigate when I can. Yeah. And the most active paranormal place, in my opinion, is a uh, Williamsburg Colonial Ghost Tour. Oh, I, I believe that. That is the most active. I, I, I've been to Tombstone. You know, I've been to the uh, West Virginia Penitentiary, and that I'm telling you, Williamsburg is the is the most active. It's really? a great tour. Great tour. Yeah, I got, and it's right down the street. I got poked. I'm telling you, bro. You got like, poked, and I'm not one to play. I don't play those that stuff. You know, I'm like, I don't. Yeah, my calf, my left calf got poked. And I like, I looked down and like, only my left calf had goosebumps. 
the rest of my body was cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, something just poked me in my calf and it was like all goosebumps and stuff. It was crazy. It was no. crazy. No. And like, uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. So that was good. Um, and then um, being in the Coast Guard, I was on the Coast Guard Cutter Forward. I was on lookout and uh, I seen something circular, um, yeah. fluorescent blue. And the, when the water, this was off the coast of Puerto Rico. And at the time, this was 95, 96. Yeah. You know, so I don't know anything about YouTube. There was no internet. You know, for me to view. So I'm like, hey, man, there's something in the water over here. And I, well, I reported it to CIC. And they said there's nothing on the radar or whatever. But then later on, you know, come to be like, you know, there's supposed to be like an underwater alien base off the coast of Puerto Rico. I'm like, I'm not saying anything, bro. I ain't saying anything, but I saw something. That's what I seen, bro. So, yeah. So anything else, man? Uh, we good? Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, I appreciate you guys listening. I'm on iTunes, uh, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify. Please follow me um, and subscribe. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Did you have a good time? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. Y'all take care. Talk to you guys next time.